So the reading today is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is God's word. Please do take a seat. Um, now, can you put your hand up if you do Christmas stockings in your household? Put your hand up. Okay, Christmas stockings in your household. Okay, so you will hopefully know um, that stockings are great, but it's very important for them to be great for you to actually get what you're wanting um, in those stockings. So um, at, at 10 years ago, when Kylie and I had our first married Christmas, it transpired, and um, we were very excited about our stockings. We even made um, new, new stockings fresh from scratch, but we clearly had very different ideas um, about what we wanted um, in our in our stockings and um, without embarrassing Kylie I'll just say we were both very disappointed by what we ended up getting so I just want to start today um, just for the record let me show you what I think makes for a good stocking okay so here's what's inside my ideal stocking it is um, simply chocolate Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. If you want to make me a perfect Christmas stocking, um, you will just stuff it um, with chocolate. Now, um, because I'm going to eat far too much chocolate already over, over Christmas already, um, I'd be better make these prizes. Um, so first of all, I just want to um, ask, ask, does anybody know? So this isn't actually a stocking. This isn't really a stocking. Can anyone tell me what it is for a prize? Shout out. Okay, it is a rugby sock. There you go. There you go, Anatole. Okay, now that was pretty easy, wasn't it? Um, but for the next prize, I'm going to make it slightly more difficult. Um, uh, Elaine, can we have the next slide? Okay, so that was uh, the tag that my mum sewed on this sock when I was about 12 years old, and that's my name there. Um, and, uh, and for the second prize, can anybody guess what the G stands for? It's a brilliant name. Not George, not George. Far more Welsh than that. Oh, Gareth, oh, she got it. Well done, Chloe. Well done, Chloe, that's right. Okay, now this um, sock... Um, is, is a clue to the fact that I used to play um, rugby. Um, yes, and if you're struggling to imagine what that would look like, um, Elaine, if we can have the next slide. Um, maybe a little bit of <laughs> Photoshop going on there. Um, but surprisingly, despite my incredible physique in that photo, um, I was actually pretty rubbish um, at rugby. However, even though this sock didn't see me winning many rugby uh, games in glory, it is still a very, very significant sock to me. And the reason why this is a significant sock is because I was wearing it on a day that I met a very, very special person. Um, so I played rugby, and my team, the under-15 C team, um, we, uh, we, we got one day to play against a very prestigious school. Um, I have no idea why my school got to play against them, but we did. And um, th this school had a curious tradition, okay? At this school, they had no changing rooms. So instead, when you went to go and play rugby against them, um, you would have to go and get changed in the, in, in the room of your opposite number. 
And so there we were, we turned up on the bus, and all of our opposite numbers met us and took us um, off to their rooms to go and get changed. My opposite number, was he was a nice guy, he was quite tall, um, slightly goofy um, looking guy. And um, so anyway, off we trotted, had a nice chat on the way to his room where we were going to get changed. However, before we got to his room, um, he stopped at the toilet, and he said, um, he said, why don't you go and get changed in there? Um, and I kind of looked at him a bit confused, but I, I thought... Okay, I'll go get changed in the toilet. And he said, okay, yeah, you go get changed in there, and I'll, I'll be back in five minutes, and we'll go to the pitch. So I, there I was, getting changed in the toilet, unlike I had expected um, to be getting changed. He came back, um, and I was, I was feeling pretty annoyed with him. I was like, what, you know, why am I getting this treatment when everybody else um, isn't? So when he came back to pick me up, well, you know, we walked back to the pitch together, but I basically gave him the silent treatment, because I was not very impressed with this, this lack of hospitality that he was giving me. However... When we got onto the pitch, as soon as we got onto the pitch, um, all of my teammates came rushing up to me. And they, and they looked at me and they said, you do know who that is, don't you? And I was like, uh, no. Are you serious? You don't know who that is? No idea. It's Prince William, you idiot. <laughs> Prince William. Yes, um, I once played opposite number in a rugby game um, to Prince William. Um, he did actually get past me and scored a try, so uh, I, I've let him through. But also, yes, I am um, one of the few people in the world who has managed to have a private conversation with Prince William, not having a clue who he was. <laughs> um, so there you go. That's one of the many ways that I am. Uh, the person before you is an idiot. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter that I didn't recognise Prince William that day. However, there is one prince who we must, at all costs, not make that mistake with. And that is the prince that Christmas is all about. Jesus Christ, who Isaiah calls the Prince of Peace. As I hope you know, Christmas is not ultimately about the stocking, or the presents, or the turkey, or whatever the vegan equivalent is of a turkey. No, Christmas is all about him. Christmas is about the Prince of Peace. And why is that? Well, it's because whatever gifts we may give to each other this Christmas, and I hope everyone here gets some great presents, but whatever gifts we may give to each other, those cannot compare to the gift that he gives us. Because he gives us a peace that no one else could ever give. He gives us a peace that is impossible to find apart from him. A peace that the whole world is looking for, but a peace that can only be found in one place, in one person, Jesus Christ. And that reading um, that we just read um, tells us two things about that peace. Um, two things. First of all, it is the peace of sins forgiven. The peace of sins forgiven. So the angel says to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, as it says in the reading, the name Jesus. Um, well, why Jesus? Why was his name Jesus? Well, it wasn't because Jesus was God's favorite name in the baby book. As you probably know, they didn't have baby books back then. No, it was because of what this name meant. And if we're going to have the next slide, um, Matthew tells us what his name means. Uh, can, you, can you say it with me? He was, he, he was given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He's called Jesus because he will save people from their sins. That's literally what Jesus' name means. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. Christmas is about the Lord coming to save us. And not coming to save us from trivial problems or first world problems or whatever other problems that we think might be big problems and aren't really. No, he has come to save us from our biggest problem, the problem that the Bible calls sin. What is sin? Um, well, one of the films, I'm, I'm sure, uh, like me, many of you will be watching films over Christmas, and one that you might, might watch illustrates what sin is perfectly, and it is, um, it is Disney's version of Robin Hood. Put your hand up if you've seen that. 
absolutely brilliant. One, one of the earliest Disney films, but really, really good. And in that, we get a brilliant illustration of what sin is. So in that story, if you know it, England is, is in a complete mess. England is in ruins for one simple reason. The reason that the wrong person is on the throne. The wrong person is on the throne. And his name is Prince John. Prince John, who they call in the songs, the phony king of England. And Prince John is a terrible king, and he's a false king. Everyone knows he's a false king. And you can even tell that from his crown, because his crown is too big for his head. The crown doesn't fit. And he is a terrible king, because, of course, it's not his crown. And that's a great illustration of what sin is. Sin is taking God's crown and putting it on our own heads. It's eight billion people saying, I will do things my way. And while that may look funny in that picture, the reality is not funny. Because what happens to the world when eight billion people say, I'm going to do things my way? This is what happens. The world is torn apart. The world is torn apart when everyone tries to do things their way. Sin ruins God's world. And sin ruins us. And sin rightly leaves us facing God's judgment. Because it's his world. And it's his crown. And the problem is that all of us naturally are little Prince Johns. We're all little Prince Johns. And we need God's forgiveness. But that is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is good news because it tells us that God has sent a saviour. The Prince of Peace who makes peace again between us and God. And as we trust in the saviour and return that stolen crown that was never ours anyway. And it was always too big for us. As we give him back his crown... God forgives our sins. He forgives our sins. All of our sins. The complete record of our sins. Even the sins that we think God, no one could ever forgive us for that. He forgives them all. And the result being that we can face the future and we can face eternity. Knowing that we have peace with God. Knowing God's forgiveness and love and acceptance. Knowing the peace of sins forgiven. This is the peace that Jesus came to bring. The peace of sins forgiven but also the peace of God's presence, the peace of God's presence. So the reading said that as well as being called Jesus, he would also be called, did you notice in the reading? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means, say it with me, it's up there, God with us, to be God with us. Jesus came to bring God near in a way that had never happened before and cannot happen apart from him. He came to restore our friendship with God, to restore our connection with God, to restore God's presence in our lives. Now, 2,000 years ago, God became present in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. On the great day that is coming, he will be present in blazing glory. But now he is present through the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, a powerful present who, who, who drives out emptiness and loneliness and fear. You see, the Lord doesn't want any of us feeling empty this Christmas. He said his spirit is living water to satisfy our thirst. And, and as we worship Jesus this Christmas, his spirit fills us up with the love of God. His spirit brings home the fact that God personally loves you and loves me. He doesn't want us feeling empty. He doesn't want us feeling lonely this Christmas. Jesus also said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And as we ask him to be with us, we find that he is genuinely with us in every situation, giving us comfort, guidance, strength including in whatever this season may hold for us. I know Christmas isn't necessarily an easy time for everyone, but he can be with us in that. And then thirdly, he doesn't want us feeling fearful this Christmas either. 
He doesn't want us fearful because his all-forgiving love drives out fear. And if you have this saviour today, then you have no need to fear. No need to fear, even in the face of death. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace who brings the peace of sins forgiven and the peace of God's presence back into our lives. A loving, powerful presence and a peace that no one else can give. And so Christmas is a time to celebrate all of this. And I want to be really, really practical um, to, uh, with you today. And I just want to very briefly give you five practical ways to help make Christmas a genuine celebration of Christ. Okay, first of all, number one, worship him in your feasting. Worship him in your feasting. Christmas dinner that we're going to eat later is a celebration of the Savior. And it's a foretaste of the greater feast that is to come. So as you sink your teeth into that turkey, oh, Remember, he's the reason for the season. Thank Jesus. As you, as you uh, sink your teeth into that turkey, he's, he's the focus of the feast. He's the reason for the season. And if you're, if, and if you're into bad jokes, um, as you pour out your cranberry sauce, you can say, and he's also the source of the celebration. <laughs> Ooh, terrible. Anyway, worship him in your feasting. Second, um, worship him with his people. Worship him with his people. Don't starve yourself of Christian fellowship this Christmas. Make sure that you spend some time around other people who, are, who, who also share the celebration, who share your love of Jesus. That's really important. Worship him with his people. Um, third, remember him in your gifts. Remember him in your gifts. Every time you unwrap a present, remember this is how God saves me. Not through anything I do, but through the gift of a saviour. Let every little gift remind you of God's great gift. Number four, honour him with your time. Honour him with your time. Find a time every day to pray to him, to thank him, to think about everything he's done for us. It might be reading one of your favourite Bible passages every day. It might be reading a Christian book. It might be writing a list of a hundred things that you want to thank God for. Maybe try that, ten a day. Easily get over a hundred. Honour him with your time. And then fifth, recognise him in your entertainment. Recognise him in your entertainment. Okay, what do I mean by this? Um, well, if you can just sit back and watch this next video clip. What Anna does for Elsa is what Christmas is all about. Because an act of love just like that is ultimately what Jesus came for. In fact, all of the greatest moments of the greatest films point us to the same thing, to the amazing love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So you'll find the same thing in The Hunger Games, in Lord of the Rings, in Gladiator, in Harry Potter, in so, so many great stories. The same kind of moment in everyone that will remind you of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. So fifthly, recognize him in your entertainment. That's a fifth way to celebrate him. So brothers and sisters, let us make this Christmas and every Christmas a celebration of Christ. Let's not fail to recognize him as I did with Prince William. And let's really worship him as he deserves, because he is the Christ of Christmas. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Savior who came in the strangest and most wonderful way to bring us the peace of sins forgiven and the peace of his presence. And he's the Savior who would one day sacrifice himself for you and for me to bring us perfect peace and eternal joy. And why did he do it? Because that's how much he loves us. Because that's how much he loves us. So let's celebrate him as we deserve and as we sing our final song. Please do stand.